Good morning. Good morning. So great to see you here. Um, no shame for the people who stayed in bed and their warm sheets and pajamas this morning, but we're glad you're joining us uh, online as well. Um, but you guys get the extra star for, for braving the sleet. Uh, if you're new here, or maybe if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, what we are doing here, our church family, we are reading through the Bible uh, from Genesis to Revelation. And I don't know if you noticed, but today we have reached a milestone. Today is the last chapter of the Old Testament. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. Good job. Hey, give somebody a high five and say, congratulations, you made it. Yes, you made it. Now, uh, so starting next week, next week we're going to be in the New Testament. And this would also be a perfect time to jump in and join us. If you, again, if you're newer, we had a lot, a lot not just today, a lot of people the last couple months uh, come to our church. Uh, this is a great opportunity to jump in and say, hey, I want to read through the New Testament with you. Or maybe you want to start back reading with us if you fell behind. You're not alone, I promise. Uh, but this would be a great time. And here it is, uh, this season leading up to Easter in uh, six weeks, we, we call Lent. A lot of times we think of Lent as a, you know, I'm going to give up something for Lent. We think of uh, uh, abstaining from something, fasting. But Lent is also a time of feasting, of feasting on God's Word. More time in devotions, more time in our prayer clauses, more time in worship. So, uh, invite, uh, put it on your calendar, put it on your neighbor's calendar. Next Sunday, we're going to start the New Testament. We can all read through the New Testament together. And the resource that we're using to go through the whole Bible is called The Story. It's the NIV Bible that is in chronological order, which is fantastic. It's so easy to follow and understand, and it's so beautiful to see. This reveals it so well to see God's big vision, His big story that He's working out from the beginning of time through uh, the new heavens and the new earth. So please jump in and join us. Today, as we get into chapter 21, uh, how is this uh, some 2,400 years ago uh, event uh, apply to our lives today? And I want to help you with that. I want to start off by getting in this frame of mind here and just ask you a simple question. Have you ever found yourself in a mess? Yeah, okay, of course. We all have because life <laughs> is messy. Uh, a lot of times people can be very messy. At some point in your life, maybe you were in a financial mess. You remember that? What that was like. Maybe your marriage was a mess at one time. Maybe you had a mess of an addiction. But maybe the mess wasn't even of your own making. It's just because we live in this messy world. It's fallen. It's corrupted by all the sinfulness that exists, the selfishness that exists in our hearts and everybody's heart. And you're just affected by this messiness. Maybe Maybe you think it's a political mess in our country. You can't figure out how it's going to turn out well. Well, as we get to uh, chapter 21, and as a matter of fact, if you look back over the last 21 chapters uh, that we've read, 
it feels like it's just one big mess after another. And you kind of wonder, what was, you know, at what point was God just going to say enough? <laughs> like, Adam and Eve, I mean, they had it all. They had it all. They had a wonderful existence. They had an amazing relationship with God. They walked with God. They talked with Him. And you go through the whole story, chapter by chapter, and you see Abraham. Abraham lied to people about Sarah being his wife. His grandson, Jacob, he was a habitual deceiver. Moses, Moses had a big problem with his temper. King David, you remember King David? He committed adultery, and then he killed her husband to try to cover it up. Wow. And then the nation of Israel turned away from God and they became divided between themselves. And then as they worshiped false gods, they became conquered. The Babylonians came and ravaged their land. They destroyed Solomon's temple. They tore down the walls of Jerusalem. Finally, they enslaved, they captivated and exiled the Jewish people. And then the prophets of God came to share God's word and hope and, and will for them. The prophets faced depression, unfaithful wives, broken families. I mean, if this book were a movie, I'd be tempted to get up and head for the exit. I don't want to see something happier when I go to the movie. And we sit in this mess of a world and the mess in our lives and we think, can there even be a happy ending in the middle of this? Can I start over? And if I can, where do I start? Well, this is a lesson that Israel learned, and this is a lesson that is still true for us today, for me and for you. And here it is. Your mess is no match for God's mercy. Oh, come on, that's good preaching. I don't get an amen, amen. I'm going to try that. Your mess is no match for God's mercy. Amen, amen. Yes, God's mercy. That's what we see through the entire story. His mercy never ends. It's new every morning. When God makes a covenant... He keeps it unconditionally on our end, how, much, how well we hold up our end. God's mercy. So, this is where we are in the story. Seventy years uh, have passed since they uh, went into exile. They're free to go back to Jerusalem. And we're introduced to Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah's got a cushy life. He's actually living 800 miles away from Jerusalem. He's in Persia, but he's the cupbearer for the king. Very, very, very nice, very nice position, except for having to taste the food and wine for poison. Other than that, uh, he lived in the palace, it was, it was really nice. Anyway, word gets back to him about what's going on in Jerusalem, and it just, it wrecks him. And this is what he says, this is Nehemiah, he says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province of Jerusalem are, are in great trouble and disgrace. What? 
Yes, the wall in Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And then he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. I mean, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What did he pray? Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Look at this. I confess my sin, the sins that we Israelites, including myself, my father's family, the sins that we have committed against you. He wept and he mourned for people he hadn't even met yet. But what he realized was that this wasn't just a physical rebuilding of a city. This was going to be a spiritual rebuilding of God's people. And if you feel like you need a restart, if you feel like you need a spiritual renewal in this messy world, where do we start? We start where Nehemiah started. We start with prayer. Rebuilding starts with prayer. And notice what Nehemiah prayed. The very first thing he did was he reminded himself of who God is. You are awesome. You are mighty. You keep your covenant of love with your people. You know how we start every single worship service? Reminding ourselves who God is is. It's called the invocation. We invoke God's name. God the Father, the creator of the universe, the creator of me and my family, of everything that I have and enjoy. The name of God the Son, whose blood paid the price for our sins. In the name of God the Holy Spirit, the gift of God that gives us faith in Jesus Christ, who walks with us in this messy world as a comforter, a counselor, a guide to follow God's will, His plan, His big story for our lives. And the second thing that Nehemiah prayed was a prayer of confession. God, I've made a mess of things, and I've let the messes around me <laughs> Messy people in a messy world make me bitter or resentful or jealous. I confess all my sins, all my family's sins, all individually and corporately. What's the second thing we do every Sunday morning? Invocation. Let's confess our sins to God our Father. Let's come to Him honestly openly with what we have, which is a mess, <laughs> and give it to Him. And start off the morning, start off the day, and we start off the week, the first day of the week, by receiving and hearing again that wonderful news, all your sins are forgiven. Your mess is no match for God's mercy. Well, Nehemiah, he uh, also, he prays for a good rapport with the king, a good, good uh, answer. 
and he gets it. King grants him safe passage to Jerusalem, which speeds up his travels. He gets to Jerusalem uh, super quick. And, but before he jumps into action, we see this pattern again. He starts with prayer. So we read in the Old Testament reading this morning, he prayed and he walked around the city and he examined the walls and he took uh, measure, took, measured the, uh, what the condition of the wall is, the condition of the people and the morale of the people and prayed. And then he went to the people. And he went to the people and he said, you see the trouble we are in? <laughs> Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Now, people were excited. Let's go. Let's rebuild these walls. God's ordained it. God is with us. Let's do it. But not all of their neighbors were as enthusiastic. See, there were some people, uh, San, uh, Sanballat. Isn't that a good Old Testament Bible name? Sanballat. Anybody want to name their kids Sanballat? I don't know. You missed out, didn't you? Uh, Sanballat was the governor of Syria. And as, as the uh, tribe of Judah, as Jerusalem, rose in name and prestige, he stood to lose a lot of political power. And so he, uh, his first attempt uh, to stop the building process was basically accused Nehemiah of treason. He said, you're, you're, you know, you're going against the, our king, a king of Persia, which obviously wasn't true. He had the king's blessing and, and, and passed safe passage. And so that didn't work. And another guy, Tobiah, he comes along. So uh, threatening didn't work. So they're going to try to discourage, discourage him. So Tobiah, he kind of makes fun of their wall. He's like, what are you building here? I mean, even a little fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stone. These aren't, these aren't masons. These are, these are whatever, rabble up here trying to build. Get out of here. Well, that wasn't going to work either. But the enemy is going to keep trying and trying. And I'll just let you know, there's still Sanballats and Tobias walking around the world today. H have you met any of them? You, you try to do right and they'll do you wrong? <laughs> You try to pull yourself up, and they'll push you back down. Hmm. Well, they got so frustrated with Nehemiah and his progress, they actually tried to kill him. And so what Nehemiah did, he had groups, communities, he had families who would stand guard at the lower portions of the wall. They would call them the exposed places on the wall, those, those places of weakness and vulnerability. They're actually uh, Jews who were, who were working on the wall, and they literally, they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, protecting those weak and vulnerable places. If you're going to be rebuilding your life, who is guarding your weak and vulnerable places? Or are you trying to do life alone? I do not recommend that. For me, I'm going to be super transparent and vulnerable with you. Uh, so be nice to me. Um, I, everybody has, we'll call it a vice. Everybody has a weakness. Everybody has a, just that one temptation that is just always going to be stronger than maybe other things you 
might be tempted to do. Um, I'm not tempted by money. I, I couldn't, couldn't care less, honestly. I, um, I kind of made a deal with God when I quit my job and uh, sold our house, and we moved to St. Louis, go to seminary. And I said, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and you, know, you just provide for me. And he's way more than just provided. He's just blessed me beyond anything. But whatever. I'm, just not, I'm not tempted to take money out of the offering plate. I'm not tempted to rob my next-door neighbor. I mean, this is not a temptation for me. I'm not tempted by power or, or glory. Um, I'm a very humble person. You have, to, you have to be cautious when somebody tells you that they're humble. <laughs> but I think you could ask anybody I work with here at the church and the preschool, and uh, I'm more than, more than happy to lift them up and to praise them and give them credit for good ideas. And, um, so whatever. I'm just saying that's not my thing. But I'm, gonna be honest, I'm not a great person. I'm not a perfect person. So here, here's one of my big vices, one of the big weaknesses, vulnerable points. It's basically sweets. I know, right? And you're, you're laughing. It's kind of funny, but you know what? It's really serious. It, it, can, be, it can be really bad. Gluttony is one of, the, one of the seven deadly sins. So rather than trying to do it alone... Which I did try for many years, and it didn't work. So for the last year, it's been over a year now, every Monday morning, I call a friend of mine. And we will video chat, and if, sometimes we actually I get to see him in person. But every Monday morning for over a year now, he's been holding the sword in one hand and the trowel in the other, saying, what would you eat this week? What would you do for your birthday? What would you do for Christmas? What would you eat? You're exercising? What is, oh, it's too cold to walk? Well, can you go to the gym and get on the treadmill? Um, holding me accountable. And I want to tell you, uh, it works. <laughs> um, I've lost over 50 pounds in a year. No, I don't want to. Remember, I don't want the glory. No, it's my friend. It's my friend holding me, holding me accountable. But whatever your mess is, Whatever your addiction is, if you want to restart, huh? if you want to rebuild your spiritual life, it starts with prayer. Don't try to do it alone. Have somebody standing in the gap with you. All right? So I'm going to start with prayer. Now, the enemy for Nehemiah, they tried everything now. They tried to kill him, distract, so uh, dis- discourage him. And so one last-ditch effort, and it's a very powerful, very powerful tool be aware of it. We usually don't see it coming. Uh, they tried to distract Nehemiah. And that's why rebuilding requires focus. Oh, so much focus. There are so many things that can distract us in this world. So uh, Tobiah, remember him, bad guy? He, he, he uh, writes to Nehemiah. He says, come, uh, let us gather together in one of the villages. Just get Nehemiah away from Jerusalem, away from the project. Get him, get him distracted. And Nehemiah says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a message back to them. He said, I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I, have it, uh, you know, while I leave it and go down to you? Isn't that a great question? Why should I leave this great project that I'm working on to go down and talk to you? 
Don't you wish you had a great project? Huh? It's a great excuse, isn't it? Listen, you do have a great project. You have an incredibly great project. And it doesn't matter if you're single or you're married. It doesn't matter if you're raising children or you're empty nesters. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. Now, your project may not be physically rebuilding a wall, but it might be rebuilding someone's life. It might be starting with your own. It might be raising children. It might be mentoring someone to be more like Christ. It, it might be uh, praying for a coworker or a former coworker, a family, a friend, a neighbor. But you have an incredible project that God has for you to be a blessing to the people, those spheres of influence that God has brought into your life. Don't be distracted. Stay focused. Well, God uh, blesses. He, he keeps his covenant of love, and he fights for his people. And did he ever fight for Nehemiah and the Jewish people in this day? They completed the wall and all of the doors in 52 days. They didn't have John Deere's and Bobcats and Kubota's. 52 days. It's unheard of. And what did they do? Did they pat each other on the back? Did they host a big banquet and say, and the award for wall building strategy goes to Ezra. Oh, sorry, wrong envelope. Goes to Nehemiah. Yeah. No. The first thing that they did when the wall was completed was they worshiped. Look at this verse. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, how? Amen, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. Your mess is no match for God's mercy, and God's mercy has a name. It's Jesus Christ. And when you give your mess to Jesus God doesn't see what you've done anymore. He only sees what Jesus has done on the cross. Let the cross be the final word in your story. If you want to rebuild, if you want to renew your spiritual life, start with prayer, stay focused, and make time for worship. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you are awesome. You are great. You are uh, amazingly creative and loving and giving. And we see it throughout creation. We see it in the gift of our own lives, Lord. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins, to renew our relationship with you and to heal and, and, and make new our relationships with other people so that we live with them and, and, and speak to them in love. Help us uh, identify those projects that you have for us to do. Uh, let us always be prayerful as we, as we go to our work. Let us uh, always stay focused on the task that you put in our hand and not get distracted. And Lord, let us always worship you every day. Of the In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.